Marcast is made possible by Hayes Marketing and Digital, the recruiting experts in marketing and digital roles across Australia for a wide range of industries and job functions. We're trying to get some diversity of thought into our team, so we've kind of set ourselves a mantra to have 50% of our roles by 2021 not coming from FMCG marketing. Welcome to Marcast, the Marketing Mag podcast series. Each episode, host Dave Jackson will bring you in-depth, one-on-one conversations with some of Australia's sharpest marketing minds. Today, Dave chats with Ben Hill, Marketing, Innovation and Corporate Affairs Director at Bega Cheese. Ben shares all about team structure, finding the right talent in job candidates and the brand's famous Vegemite acquisition. Bega is synonymous with cheese, named after the beautiful valley on the south coast of New South Wales where it was founded as a dairy co-op in 1899. It's been part of the Aussie pantry for over 100 years and quite likely a part of your school lunchbox, just as it is for my kids today. But as we'll hear, Bega is not just the company behind cheese but other iconic Australian brands as well and its distribution has spread far beyond that regional valley where it was founded. As we continue dialogue with the leading marketers in the country, I'm delighted to be talking today with Ben Hill, Director of Marketing, Innovation and Corporate Affairs at Bega. Ben, good day. Nice to meet you. Now, Ben, I noticed that Bega has a pretty cool street address, number one, Vegemite Way, which got me thinking about other famous street addresses. And I wonder if you had the choice, would you like to live on Ramsey Street, mingling with the neighbours? Evergreen Terrace with Bart Simpson, Wisteria Lane with the Desperate Housewives or Elm Street with Freddy Krueger? That's such a fantastic question. The safe one's obviously Ramsey Street um, and I was a huge Neighbours fan as a kid. I have a British uh, background, Scottish family and they still watch Neighbours every day so I'd go with that. It's a no-brainer. That gives us a little insight into Ben at home. How about Ben at work? Maybe tell us a little bit about your current role and your responsibilities. Yeah, so as you sort of mentioned, the title tells it all. Um, pretty broad remit at Bega, uh, looking after the marketing team there. And then within that, we have innovation, uh, consumer insights, digital, and of course, corporate affairs as well, which which is sort of a quite a broad yeah. portfolio. And the corporate affairs piece certainly spans beyond my remit. So if it goes to sort of CEO level, then then they're obviously involved as well. But yeah, it's, it's kind of the whole gamut of the marketing function at the moment. And it's a lot of fun. And before that, where did you come from? So I spent the best part of, sort of eight years at Mondelez prior to that. Most of your listeners might know them as Cadbury and yep. Oreo. And had been prior to that five years at, at Coke Amatil and working on SBC and the Coke company within that. And, and yeah, the, the eight years at Mondelez were, were fantastic. Did a number of roles there, a lot of marketing roles, moved across and did some category management and some sales roles. And then uh, found myself actually in a regional role. Uh, yep. I was doing a, a role across 26 markets, teaching people about shopper insights and a bit of sales capability, uh, which was a long way left of yeah. centre from where I started. Yeah. was about to move overseas with my family, a couple of weeks out from moving overseas and got a call from an old boss based in Europe and said, look, we're going to potentially be doing something with the business in Australia and we'd like you yeah. to consider another alternative, uh, which is how I landed at Bega. I like to tell people I was the first one to opt in on the acquisition Yeah, because right. uh, I knew what was going yeah. down. I played a role in 
I guess, presenting the credentials of our company to, to the investors and sure enough, found myself in, across in Bega. It was clearly a time of change when you joined the organisation, right? I mean, yep. for over 100 years, Bega was a, a dairy co-op, single brand product. It's mm-hmm. now multi-brand, listed on the ASX. And I understand that change impacted the marketing function at Bega pretty significantly as well. Yeah, very significantly. Bega, uh, the Bega brand in cheese, as most people know it, has historically been marketed by Fonterra and they've done a fantastic job of that. And I think Bega, the company itself, you know, almost a $1.5 billion business at that time, 2,000-odd employees, didn't actually have a consumer-facing business. Uh, And the acquisition of the Mondelez Meals business enabled that and brought some capabilities across. And that has definitely changed what the company views as what is marketing. Yeah. And I guess my role coming across was to kind of set that up and, and build those capabilities into the company. And so some pretty unique and specific challenges would come with that as well, I imagine? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, challenges and opportunities, I'd say. You know, certainly the opportunity to move out of a multinational where things are fairly well defined into a company that is really quite hungry to grow and wanting, you know, sort of looking at you to set up marketing and, and tell the company, what should a company like ours, what should marketing look like to us? And so I think from day one, it was really about, well, let's first work out what culture do we want in marketing? Uh, what capability do we want, and then what structure and what people do we need to bring in to build that up. And that's kind of the road we took. Tell us a little bit about the team today. Is it a large team, small team? What, how are you structured? Um, my finance director would probably tell you it's a large team. <laughs> There's 16 of us in total, but I think of us more of it as a SWAT team. So we're not we're not enormous. Uh, certainly for the scale of our business, we're not enormous. But I'm very big on, you know, if, if a role needs to sit vacant for three months till we find the right person, then then that's the way we'll do it. The way we build it up at Bega is we, we kind of need the best of each that we can get. And so when it came to digital, for example, we decided we were going to set up a digital function in-house, but we spent some time finding the right person to, to run that. And he was a guy that's come out of a startup previously, so he had that, I guess, approach to work. And now I've let him build out his team. When it came to insights, I was very particular on who I wanted to run insights for me, and, and I wanted a very deep functional skill set there. More broadly in the team, though, when I look at brand, and we've got food service in there as well, we're trying to get some diversity of thought into our team. So we've kind of set ourselves a mantra to have 50% of our roles by 2021 not coming from FMCG marketing. Yeah. Usually the recruitment spec would say must have five, Mandatory, 10 years yeah. of, of marketing experience in, yeah. in FMCG. When I think about our industry being disrupted and our business potentially being disrupted by competitors, I think it's important that therefore we're bringing fresh thinking to our company. We still need the deep functional expertise, so hence the 50%, and we'll make sure we've got the expertise where we need it. But the rest of the time, we, we really want a team that challenges and thinks differently. And so we've got people from franchises, we've got people from customer service, I've got a packaging R&D person in my team, I've got a lawyer in my team. So yeah, I think we're, we're trying to create a more diverse marketing function whilst not losing the, the science that marketing is. Does that create an interesting dichotomy within the team, the classic marketers versus the non, or does it mingle well? Is it something you have to work towards to get those functions working together? What I've found is that the marketers are very, uh, the traditional marketers, as you call them, are very keen and very open to coaching. um, And they love coaching the people coming in about marketing. But at the same time, it's opened their minds to to look at marketing differently. The best thing you have in a marketing team is an engineer because they love to fix problems. Uh, And I think for us, you know, having having a lawyer in the team has been really interesting. Certainly, the experience to date has been probably better than just having one set of people with the same way of looking at the world. I think as a new marketing team, which we are, we're really only sort of 14, 15 months old as a marketing team, it's been really important for us to actually look at what's the best in class rather than what's the best CV. Has that made attraction of candidates 
easier or harder the fact that you're doing something that's sort of not the traditional, traditional. approach? Probably harder. Um, yeah. Probably harder, is it, honestly, and, and that's why we've had some vacancies, um, extended periods of time. Yeah. But the way I kind of look at it is, yeah, you know, when I when I recruit people, the the one question I always ask towards the end of the interview is, I want to know about their strengths and not just what their experience says on their CV, but yeah. what are the things that give them energy and what do they bring to the team. And the analogy I always use is, if you think of it as a team, if you imagined a sporting analogy, if you're building a, a soccer team, for example, it could be any yeah. sport. If you need a striker you're not going to go and hire a goalkeeper and then coach them to be a good striker. You're yeah. going to go and find a striker. So I look at that and go, what are the skill sets that we need as a team, whether that be in innovation, whether that be in insights, whether brand building, understanding media, digital, whatever it might be, uh, and we go and find the best person for that job. Sounds like an exciting place to work to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, we've been, we've been through a lot in 18 months, but um, our engagement levels are very high and I think the culture is really strong because... That's what I say to everyone in the team. The team doesn't need you to put aside your best to bring something else to the team. We need you to bring your best. So yeah. that might not be what the job spec says, but bring what gives you the energy every day and we'll be a more productive team. What's the organisational support been like for this journey? Has it been a challenge for you? It sounds like it would be pretty important that you've at least someone's got your back. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, without wanting to be the football coach that says that they've got my back and then I find myself <laughs> out of work, the, uh, the, the CEO has been phenomenal. You know, he... he He's the first to admit, and he'll often have a joke with me that, you know, Ben, I'm not a marketer, but have you thought of? And then I'll listen to his point of view and, and then give him a counter often. And, and he's been really supportive. I think my boss has been really supportive as well to say, look, you've got a fair idea of what you need from an FMCG structure. Everything I've presented has been considered. And it goes both ways. It's not about just building an empire. Along the way, we've sacrificed some relationships and external suppliers, yeah. cut out some parts of the function that we didn't think were necessary to, to save money in, in other areas. So... It's been about right-sizing, and I know that's a bit of a throwaway term, but it was, what do we need for now in the future? And, and the other thing I'd say is from, a, I guess, an HR perspective, a lot of support there as well. So for me coming across out of Mondelez, where you're one of thousands of marketers to suddenly yeah. everyone's looking to you to give them the, the answers and the direction, and, and not just from below but above as well, if you know, coach the business. Yeah. You know, I put my hand up and said, I, I don't know it all, uh, yeah. and I would love some help. And they said to me, what path do you want to go down? And talked about, you know, functional skills and further studies and actually what I really wanted was a mentor and yeah. a, a formal mentorship so I have a fantastic mentor that that is funded by the company yeah. um, it doesn't come for free but having that person who has functional depth but also can coach me on on my leadership has been incredible I think without that I would have struggled a lot it sounds like a pretty mature recognition of yours that you needed that is yeah. was that something that came to you as as you were in the role or was it clear to you on day one that this was something that was pretty different and you were going to need some support? Or? It, it was pretty early on. Yeah. It was pretty early on. I think, you know, I was when I accepted the role and, as I said to you, I was very close to moving overseas. It was quite yeah. a, a quick turnaround and I was a bit nervous, you know. I knew that I was losing a, a Mondelez International yeah. University and I was losing global capability yeah, frameworks and support. Yeah, a lot of support around support. you previously, yeah. Um, and, you know, recognised that, didn't necessarily need that. But what, what really sparked it was a question actually from one of the youngest members of my team coming across and, and on the day of the announcement, she actually asked me, well, who's going to build our capability? Who's going to teach us? And I took that as a massive slap in the face for me <laughs> and my capability, but it, it caused me to go home and reflect quite um, yeah. seriously about it. I thought, you know what, I can hopefully teach her some things, but who, who's also going to teach me? And so, yeah, I just put my hand up to the business and said, this is what I'm thinking. I don't want to go and do courses and extra study because yeah. let's be honest, we're transitioning company. You need me here on the floor pretty much every day. Yeah. I don't have time to be out of here and this is the kind of support I'd like and, and they were 
fantastic. Big is very much an invest for the future type company. So yeah. they looked at that and went, well, investing in him for six, 12 months, if he's the right person for the job, is only going to help the rest of the business. So that, that's kind of how they look at all opportunities. Tell us a bit about the product mix, the brands you've got and where Big is going as a business. Yeah, it's pretty exciting times. I mean, you mentioned before about our history as a cooperative and you know, the last sort of 15 odd years of, of moving out of that journey. Where we're going now is, is trying to transition away from just being a dairy company. And obviously, you know, the investment in uh, the acquisition in the Mondelez Bills business is part of that. The vision for our company now is, is to be the great Australian food company. Uh, and that's quite a shift from being a dairy company. It's explicitly yep. called out. Yep. And within that, there's sort of um, four pillars. And, and I sort of try and bring marketing back to each of them. So we yep. talk about great people, which I've kind of touched on a little yeah, bit. Yeah, definitely. Great food, great aspirations and greater good as the four pillars to what we stand for as a company. So you know, I've, I've talked about people and, and building capability and, and those sort of areas. But I think from a, if you think about great aspirations, well, that's fantastic for a marketer because it's sort of, you know, define the future. And we're, we're doing a yeah. lot of work on that right now to really understand the consumer landscape of today and the future. And then that kind of goes to the great food component, which is, you know, staring into a portfolio and working out, well, what are foods that are probably not part of the future, you know? Yeah. And, um, every good marketer looks at their portfolio and works out where do they want to invest, what, what's their core and they want to hold and where do they need to scale and where do they need to exit. And I think the hardest thing is always where do you exit? Um, yeah. Companies like to hold on to Perhaps hold on to the long. dregs for too long. Yeah. And I think the, the good thing for us is, and some of it's been forced upon us, you know, we, we've been involved in some, um, some pretty significant legal battles which are well, well documented of late and that's forced us to reappraise how much do we want to be in certain yeah. categories. Yeah. But then more to the point is if you're a company that's talking about being the great Australian food company, you understand what you mean by great food, then it's probably not a lot of processed stuff that you find yeah. in plastic. So for us, it's really about trying to set up a future of what is the world looking for in nutrition, in health, in sustainability, in agritech. You know, how do yeah. we make sure that our company's leaving a better footprint on the earth? And some of those big things that I guess you know, when you're working within one defined category, you might not think about as much. But mm. for us, we're really clear on our vision to be the great Australian food company. And part of that's a significant transformation for, for the things I've mentioned. I'm interested in understanding how your consumers have formed that view of the future for the business. Is, yep. is it something as, as macro as global trends in, in, in consumer behaviour and preferences or is it something as micro as one-on-one as -on -one conversations and rich understanding of, of particular consumers or is it a mix of those? Where does the insight come from? It's definitely a mix. So one of the things we also did coming across was we didn't, Bigger didn't have an insights function. So we set up our own panel, so about a yeah. thousand people um, with one of our research partners. So we could get effectively qualitative reads and understandings of where, you know, consumers are seeing things at the moment. That, that's probably more focused on our current portfolio and how to optimise yeah. that and where yeah. opportunities might lie. Beyond that, we've done a bigger piece, which is um, we almost finished a, a large piece of work, which is called a demand landscape. Uh, and essentially, without using all the marketing terminology, what we're trying to understand are what are the occasions and needs that exist today and will exist over the next five years that are not being tapped into? What's the size of them? And you know, what's the right way in? Because there might be a lot of opportunities out there, and there certainly are, but they're not always easy to get at. And I think the hardest thing for a lot of marketers when you do your research is Anyone can identify a large category or a future trend. The hard bit is which ones do you choose to get after and then how do you get in? And, and so that's a piece of work we're in the middle of right now. And that's a fairly large quantitative study. We'll have, you know, well in excess of 40,000 occasions that we're reviewing across, you know, several thousand consumers. So that piece of work's due to be finished early next year and that'll help us map out the next five to seven years. And I think as a, you know, as a marketer and 
in the role I'm in, you've got to be able to think, you, you have to provide a long-term perspective for the company and you have to be able to do short-term as well. But the reality is short-term is day-to-day. You know, every meeting yeah. you're in approving something, signing something off, uh, that's short-term. You know, that that's yeah. that's almost business as usual. And so I think to be a good marketer, you have to be able to perform at that speed, but you also have to be able to take that step back and, and help the business branch, I guess, what's happening in the outside world to what the company should be doing internally. Because a lot of the other functions are, are not necessarily geared to do that. You know, they're waiting for marketing to set the, the direction for the company. We kind of consider ourselves the growth accelerator. Yep. Uh, we look at the business performance and think, well, if it's growing at 5% naturally, then it's our job to get that to 10% yep. um, or whatever the number might be. So you take marketing out, you'll get a certain result. You put marketing into a company, which is what Big has done, then they're going to expect a result and, and I expect us to deliver the result as well. I know you mentioned the work's still ongoing and it may be too early to answer this question, but is there anything you can share with us about what are going to be those connections between the business and the categories that you pursue out of those insights? Is it, are there areas that are, that are better fit on a brand cultural level or are they more on a production delivery side? What, yeah. what are some of the, the factors that get considered when you decide which of those categories to pursue? The model we kind of look at is, you know, we look at the consumers as one circle, we look at the, the customers slash category as another circle, and then we yep. look at our company as a third circle. Company being what what can you make? What are you, you know, where are you best set up to win? And what we're really looking for is the sweet spot between all three of them. Um, yep. It's fine to be 100% consumer-led, but if it's not really what your customers are after and if it's not really what your company's geared to do, then you have to make big decisions on whether you're going to pivot your entire company or not. Conversely, if you're just pushing out the door what you can make, um, that'll get you to a point, there'll be a market for that, but you'll you'll limit your growth. And then I think if you're just bowing to, to the customer expectation, then you're delivering to their agenda, which your agenda should be linked to, but you're also probably missing a trick as well as to how you could really generate further growth. So we kind of look at the three um, yeah. together rather than isolation. I think the areas that are that are interesting for a company like ours, I mentioned sort of transitioning from pure dairy to a foods business and what does great food mean? You know, clearly, I mean, health's not a trend, health's a way of life, but the way is into health. And I think some of the things that we look at are, we have a lot of dairy farms, obviously, that we're linked to, but yeah. a lot of the world's moving away from animal products. Uh, yeah. So what does that mean for us? You know, there's 500 million vegetarians in India, so it's it's hardly a fad. Yeah. Um, and so we look at that and go, well, what are the future proteins? What are the future ways that consumers are going to want to consume food? And that might be plant-based proteins, nutrition in that space. Infant nutrition's obviously exploded in recent years, but you know, adult nutrition is another area that is probably, whilst vitamins are big, I guess natural nutrition through food is still evolving. And then we think about things like our, our footprint on, on the globe. You know, So agriculture around the world, food uh, manufacturing around the world makes up 25% of greenhouse gas emissions. And we know that that number is going to get a lot worse in the next five to ten years because the other industries, industries and sectors are improving their footprint. Food and ag is not. So we look at things like agricultural technology and how do we um, improve supply chain, how do we improve efficiencies, how do we improve our sustainability index and how do we make sure we're leaving a better footprint on the planet. This wouldn't necessarily be the kind of work that a lot of marketers in FMCG categories are doing today. Do, do you feel like bigger in the work you you guys are doing uh, is really leading the way and pushing the boundaries or are you are you doing this because everyone's doing it no I don't, I don't think so I mean it, and some of it's driven not just by the marketing team some of it's driven yeah. by our, our chairman and CEO and their vision for the company so it's certainly yeah. not not all on me yeah 
our CEO and chairman do set quite an agenda for the company and the vision, um, and marketing play a key role in that, of course. Yeah. We definitely don't do it because our competitors are doing it. It's going to sound fairly cliche. I think we do it because we know it's the right thing to do, and a lot of our decisions come from you know what we what we believe within our value set, at least in the company, is, is the right thing to do. We have a very deep sense of community in our company. Um, four of our board members are dairy farmers. So I think we have a real sense of what's the right thing to do. And there's a humility that comes with, with that as well, that you're not just serving. Of course, we are serving the shareholders for those that are listening, but you're also serving the community and the greater good, which is one of our core values. So we don't do it because the competitors are doing it. We, we do do it because you know consumers are demanding this and this is where the world yeah. is going. And so you know there's certainly a financial aspect to this. We're doing it because we recognise that if we stay where we are, then someone else will simply go past us. The question that I, l- I like to ask is, is marketing a department within the organisation or is it a mindset across the organisation? That's a great question. I mean, everyone's a marketer because yeah. <laughs> everybody in the company generally will consume the products that you're selling, whether that's TVs, cars or, or Vegemite. And everybody, I think one of the things with marketing is everybody recognises brands. Most companies are known for their, for their brands. So everybody in the company will be a consumer and, and therefore a marketer. So I think a lot of marketers resist that. There's lots of sayings, every every idea is a good idea, and then a lot of people say, well, no, marketing need to drive the agenda. I think you've just got to be pragmatic. I think it's not about tail wagging the dog or any of those sort of old cliches, but at the end of the day, everyone in the company loves the brands, and I think it's a marketer's job is absolutely to identify the opportunities without outside the company, but also to harness the energy internally. One of the examples we had from last year was we were sponsoring the Australian Open with Vegemite, one of the components of that was we were sponsoring Ash Barty, who was an up-and-coming player at that time, who's obviously now a superstar. And we wanted to do a bit more for, for Ash and we wanted to support her and we sort of came up with this idea of, well, why don't we create a, a Barty army and, and put on some T-shirts and get out and support her. And we, we tried to do it through the Fanatics and, and they said they wouldn't touch brands, which was fair enough. So we just created our own Vegemite T-shirts with Ash on it. But the way we went about it was we got all our staff to go out and do it. So we didn't hire a sampling agency or an activation company because we could have. I mean, we certainly could have, but we recognised yeah. the opportunity to galvanise the staff internally around this fantastic sponsorship, but also, you know, get people loving the brand and out there promoting the brand. And uh, it was a huge success for us. I mean, we got amazing coverage out of it. And as I said, it was it was really done for two reasons. One was promote our brands externally, but also promote them internally. And I think as a marketing function, you have to do that. And you have to be open to doing that. We hear a lot about that, don't we? About about the potential disconnect between what an organisation is deliberately saying to its consumers versus the experience that its people are delivering, about the importance of the people within the organisation being aligned with what our purpose is and our consumer-facing messaging. We don't always see that actually deliver to that extent that you're talking about. I think a lot of that comes back to then you've got to get the inside right. Um, And so I mentioned up front about culture of the marketing function and how important that was. But then the culture of the business is, is critically important. I think you know, the, the culture of Bega is definitely one of enormous respect and humility. And with that comes people who, who genuinely care. They care for each other and they care for the brand. So it's pretty easy once you've got the inside working to then promote that externally because it's what you're living and breathing every day. You've introduced the word Vegemite. <laughs> um, not all of our listeners will associate Bega with Vegemite. Yep. So t- take us on that journey. Yeah. Well, I mean, cheese and Vegemite do go pretty well together. I think everyone knows that. But um, look, it was an interesting one for Vegemite um, coming across from, from Mondelez to Bega and, and a bit of, you know, quite a lot of coverage about Vegemite returning to Australian ownership, I guess. And we as Australians are all pretty patriotic when it comes to our Vegemite. 
and, and certainly running the companies as well. And I, I think for us, it, it gave us a new lease on life in terms of how we viewed the brand. You know, in a multinational, great local brands are generally referred to as local jewels or local gems and this sort of yeah. thing. And, and Vegemite was certainly one of those. It was a, a, a fantastic gem for the business. But I guess when Bega sort of open up the, the wallet and say, we're going to acquire this Australian icon, they want us to start thinking about it in the same way they've looked at it when they're purchasing it. So the brief to the to the marketing team was pretty simple, actually. It was it was a matter of asking them, who do you think you're competing with? And generally, the answer to that question will be, well, our competition is peanut butter, uh, it's Nutella, it's honey, it's jam, and that makes sense because that's who you compete with at the shelf. Um, yeah. But then you sort of reframe the question. You say, think a little bit bigger about Vegemite. Who do you really want to compete with? And so people start talking about, okay, well, um, wheat bix and you know cornflakes and breakfast foods yep. because that's a broader category and we want to win in the category of breakfast. And then you sort of finally after that you can ask the question a third time you can get out of actual the pragmatism of the food categories and you start thinking about the heart categories and you say, think again, what does Vegemite mean to Australians? Well, it's yep. an iconic brand. Okay, so who's your competitive set? And so we started to have conversations and we went away and did a bit of work staring at the work done by companies like Qantas, Bundaberg, uh, the Meat and Livestock Association, yep. um, even Bunnings Warehouse. Some of these companies have done fantastic jobs building up iconic Australian brands. And we looked at their history and sort of what, what had led them to where they were today and brands that we, we admire enormously. And we said, well, this is where we want Vegemite to be. I mean, if you, if you Google Australian iconic brands, it comes up first. So yep. why aren't we thinking about it that way? And it gave us an opportunity to look at it as not a brand that's 95 years old, but a brand that was being reborn. I used to work for a fantastic marketing director who would talk about older brands and always talk about them being 100 years young. And every day, just because it's been around 100 years doesn't mean the next day a new consumer is aware of you. So every day you've got to go out and get yourself new consumers. Yep. You've got to promote yourself to them. Um, you've got to talk about why you're great. And with a brand like Vegemite, you can have so much fun with it. And mm. you know, we'd, we'd probably... We've done a few things that have worked and not worked in the last 18 months, but we've had a lot of fun, I guess, pushing the boundaries of the brand and we've taken it, you know, we do licensing with partners like Peter Alexander on pyjamas right through to another Aussie icon that's about to release um, a Vegemite-flavoured product on shelf soon that I can't talk too much about, but right through to, you know, sponsoring the Australian Open. Um, we did a collab with 4 and 20 Pies, did a Vegemite meat pie earlier this year and really expanding the brand and, and taking it into things like we're working with nude food at the moment around Vegemite lunchboxes and yep. stuff that kind of makes sense but also stuff that's a little bit left of centre. And what we found is consumers have generally come on the journey with us. Um, I think as long as we treat the brand with respect and love and try and give it to people in more ways, they're generally pretty open to that. You mentioned um, the ownership moving back to Aussie-owned. Is Bega in a position to do more with Vegemite than a global multinational would be? Great question. Yes and no. I, I know from a Monolith's perspective, we would potentially hold back a little bit because of that conservatism around, well, we are American ownership. If we start to try and promote an yep. Australian product too heavily, there might be a consumer backlash. So I think, yes, there is some restrictions on what you can do um, and maybe a level of conservatism, but it doesn't mean you, you can't try. And a great example of that was probably about three or four years ago when um, at Mondelez we launched a Cadbury dairy milk block with Vegemite-flavoured chocolate and that was a fantastic success for us as a company we had a lot of fun with it neither brand you know both brands were built from it neither brand yep. was tarnished by it and that was a multinational saying why not so i think there's a great example of, of doing it and making it work i think with bigger it's potentially more there's a higher expectation that we do it more regularly this brand plays a slightly different role in this company so uh, there's a strong expectation that we'll deliver growth on it and get about that in many ways 
I have six questions to ask and I need you to answer all six within 60 seconds. So a brand really getting it right. Thank you. And someone getting it wrong. Facebook. Best marketing campaign or strategy, either an all-time favourite or some a recent standout. I think I think the beer ads back when when beer was really thumping did it really well, and I think yeah. you know the, the big ad that that CUB did was was phenomenal. It was held up as a one of the pillars of advertising at the time, and I yeah. think it, it stood the it test stood. of time. Yeah, and it, it challenged people to think a lot more creatively about advertising. The one thing you would do differently if you were starting out. 20 years ago, what are you going to change? I would be less focused on the destinations. Uh, the job titles are irrelevant. The journey between them is what you get the most out of. Is there a leading marketing practitioner or writer or blogger or thinker or mentor that stands out? You talked about a couple along the way. Probably not the most famous one, but actually my mentor is a phenomenal guy. A guy called Ian Rowden. He's fantastic, based in the States. Marketing in just a few words. Do no harm have the right culture, always link your outside story and your inside story. Thanks again to Ben Hill for giving his time to appear on MarCast. Join us again soon. And if you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast. MarCast is made possible by Hayes Marketing and Digital, the recruiting experts in marketing and digital roles across Australia for a wide range of industries and job functions. For the latest insights on what it takes to be a marketing director, download the Hayes Report, DNA of a Marketing Director, at hayes.com.au.